What's the name of that song? Wonderful Grace of Jesus. What a, what a great song. I, I'm sure many of you were, were rehearsing the, the words in your mind and hearts as, as that was played. And uh, Christian music is great. So, All right, let's go to Exodus chapter 3. Exodus chapter 3. Exodus chapter 3, you can keep your finger there and go to Ephesians 6 if you'd like to, only to, uh, to do our memory uh, verses there. If you think you have the memory verses without going to, to that, you can do that as well. And we are continuing with just a series of messages. Uh, uh, thank you to uh, Brother Randy, uh, Brother uh, Brendan, and Brother Johnny for preaching while I was gone. Uh, did I did have an opportunity to uh, listen to each one of those messages and just the weapons of our warfare from, uh, from last Sunday morning, just uh, continuing that emphasis, very helpful, very helpful and practical on the theme. Um, and then the, the, the Jesus is the way, the truth and the life in the evening service, uh, great message. And then just a very uh, uh, thought-provoking and helpful message on Wednesday, uh, uh, things that can help us during time of transition. And uh, it's interesting, I got, I got feedback from, from uh, different people from the church on the messages that were, that were helpful to them. And different people mentioned different messages uh, that, were, that were helpful to them in particular. And so uh, that, was, that was very encouraging. And so we'll continue uh, with uh, the series this morning. And uh, let's start out just by rehearsing the, the theme in, in, in some, uh, some verses here that we've been working on. Some from Ephesians 6, uh, verses 10 uh, through, through 12. All right, together. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. All right. So uh, hopefully those, uh, those uh, um, words have been resonating uh, in, your, in your minds and hearts along the way as you can take those truths with you. And just think about how we, we have been given everything that we need. We've been given the truth and we've been equipped according to that truth to truly be able to be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. And it's a great theme. And it's even better to think about realizing that in, in our lives, in our, in, our, in, in our everyday lives. And uh, so hopefully um, you've been growing in that and uh, you've been strengthened by those truths and we can continue in those uh, here uh, this morning. Now I'll go back to Exodus chapter, uh, chapter 3. And the message this morning, it's, it is going to start off in a more of a negative way. All right? Let's tell you that right up front. Uh, it, is, it is a, a message that by design, it'll start out challenging us in what tends to be uh, the propensity for us all, and that is to make excuses. Okay, and so it is. It is going to confront us in that regard. Uh, but think of it this way: we all have that in common. All right, we all have that inclination. And so, but the thing of it is, is if we're talking about being strong in the Lord and the power of His might, well, one of the things that that will short circuit that and will undermine that and will really put us in a, in a place of weakness is for us to be excuse makers. If we're excuse makers, that's really all about walking in the flesh and in our own power. And we'll see that a lot more clearly throughout the message. And, and what that does is it hinders us, 
It hinders us to get beyond our human reasoning and excuses to truly realize the power of God that's, that's, that's available for us. And so, yeah, the beginning of, of, of the message, uh, we're going to have to lay that, that, fr that framework. And you know how it is. I mean, a lot of times we don't really appreciate the truth. We don't appreciate the good news until we see the problem first, right? Until we see the bad news. And uh, so we'll develop this uh, a little more uh, here this morning. But we're talking about Moses here in Exodus uh, chapter 3. And you know the, the background of Moses a little bit. Uh, he really grew up as a privileged young man. Um, you know, kind of a scary beginning to his life, right? He's kind of floating out on a river there. And, and uh, I can understand, uh, you know, that the danger of that situation a bit, having been on the Everglades down there in Florida. Um, they got they got real life alligators uh, there. In fact, the pond near in the in the housing development where uh, where my, my son is raising my little granddaughters they have they have alligators there. I don't really know if I want them raising my my, my granddaughters uh, you know uh, with alligators running around the neighborhood. But anyways, uh, here was Moses and he was floating in this basket and then you know in, in on the the, uh, the Nile there the, the land of the, the crocodiles. And, but God saved him from that situation and really put him into a, into a very favored position as a prince there in, in Egypt. And uh, he grew up in, in that setting. Uh, but then, remember, he became from, going from privileged prince to, uh, to angry killer. And he never really, you know, totally forgot about his heritage. And, and he saw a situation where one of his, his uh, um, uh, kinspeople was being abused by an Egyptian uh, slave owner, um, and, and was being, was being uh, whipped without mercy. And uh, he ended up, you know, taking matters into his own hands and, and, and killing uh, one of those individuals and burying them there in the, in the sands of Egypt. Well, he was confronted later on about that, and, and he, became, he became aware that it was known that he had done that. And so he reacted to that. And we know the story that he ended up going really into exile and he became a herdsman. He went from privileged prince to the, the angry uh, uh, man who, who killed. And uh, then he went, his life totally changed at that point. And he's out in the wilderness and he's working as, as, a, as a herdsman uh, there. So, you know, I mean, Moses, it's an interesting story to his life. Um, and, you know, as, as it is with human beings, I mean, there's a story to all of our lives, isn't there? I mean, you're here today, and there's a story to be told for your life. I mean, there's a history there. <laughs> there's been some ups and downs. There's been uh, some windy roads. Uh, there's been some situations that you've gotten into that you wouldn't have foreseen. Life can change in a hurry. There's a lot of variables. And certainly there has been in your life, I'm, I'm sure, as well. But you know, when it comes to what has gone on in our lives, it tends to, to kind of pan out in, in one of two ways. A lot of people use their background as, as a platform to make excuses for themselves. You ever notice that? It's, it's really, it's, it's common in our culture. We live in a culture of excuse making. You know, some people, they use the ups and downs of their life and, and, and even the, 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 the things that they, you know, the, the, the troubles that they've been through, the hard knocks of life. You know, they kind of use that as, as a stage to, to say, okay, you know, how am I going to use this in a positive fashion by God's grace to move on for special purposes that he can bring out of that? Some people do approach it that way. Others, you know, like I said, well, they, they, they just live a life 
on and on and on with making excuses, with making excuses. And uh, I was listening on the, on, the, on, the, on the plane down there to Florida, we had about a three-hour flight, and I listened to some uh, uh, podcast, a true crime podcast. It was actually things based here in New England, mostly in Maine. And it was interesting, for each one of those, it seemed like for all the episodes I listened, almost every one of them, when the person was caught having done the crime, almost every one of them had an excuse as to why they should be an exception to have to do the time. And uh, it was all these, you know, well, you know, I just wasn't thinking uh, straight at the time. Well, you know, when I, when, I, when I took that person's life, uh, and, and I wasn't thinking straight, and so I should be excused. I was insane at that moment, so I should be excused. All these, all these circumstances conspired against me. You know, they had their team of lawyers trying to present why this person shouldn't have to, you know, uh, get the consequences of what they had done. And it showed me, look, we live, we live in a culture that does not want to take responsibility for its own actions. But, you know, it's, it's probably, we live in that culture today because it's probably just always been that way. <laughs> and, and I think we can see, you know, throughout history that that really has been, it has been uh, uh, the case. And, uh, you know, people uh, like to put labels, injustices, wounds, past grievances, failures. It's always someone else's fault. And there's always a reason not to proceed in a victorious fashion. And uh, it's like the Bible says, you know, for the lazy person, what do they say? There's a lion in the street, <laughs> right? I don't dare go out there, there and get the work done. Um, or it's too hot or it's too cold. And, uh, and, and, and or the, the people made me do it. Remember that excuse uh, when, the, uh, when Aaron... When, when they put the, the, the gold, they, they, they fashioned that, that idol out of gold and, and they, they bowed down to that thing. Well, the people made me do it. And then, you know, uh, next thing I knew, this fire was just going through, through the gold and, and all of a sudden there was an idol there. It was amazing. Well, you know, Aaron, I think maybe you had something to do with that. You were the leader, <laughs> you know. Um, and Saul kind of said the same thing. when he didn't, he didn't obey God thoroughly. He said, the people put pressure on me. Excuses. Um, Adam, first human being, is, is my wife's fault, right? And, uh, and, you know, she blamed somebody else, a blame game. Um, you know, Jesus was not blind to excuse making. In, in Luke 14, it talks about a guy there that, uh, there was, that, that, that had a special invitation to a great supper. And uh, he had an excuse. It says, um, and then, uh, and they all with one consent be, began to make excuse. The first said unto him, I have bought a piece of ground. I must need go and see it. I pray to have me excused. In other words, he, he was too busy. He was too busy. I can't do it because I'm too busy. Another said, I have bought a yoke, uh, 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 five yoke of oxen and go to prove them. I pray thee, have me excused. He was too caught up um, in, in, in his business and in, in his personal uh, finance. Another said, I have married a wife. That's, that's a good thing. Um, I married a wife. Glad of it. And, uh, but he says, I, therefore, I cannot come. And so he used, he used uh, uh, his, 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 his family as an excuse not to broaden his realm of influence. And look, hey, our first commitment needs to be to our families. But when God asks us to do something, he's not looking for excuses in any realm of any shape or form. And Jesus said, hey, I recognize, he told this parable about the fact that people 
There's no end to their ability to come up with excuses. And uh, so we do, live, we do live in a culture of excuse uh, making. And you know, many of you know that I taught, I taught junior high and high school for a number of years. Um, look, you know, you, you, can, you can get pretty creative with your excuses to me, but I probably, none of them are going to be more creative than what I heard from some of these students. Now, some, th- this one really threw me off, though. You know the cliche, my dog ate the homework? I actually heard that one one day. Like, that's supposed to be kind of like a joke, but the student said, no, my dog ate my homework. I was like, yeah, right, okay, chickens have lips, right, or whatever. Uh, But I called home, and sure enough, the dog had eaten the homework. The the, the parents uh, verified it. But I heard just about every excuse you could possibly hear, you know, from students. And uh, look, we're, we're very creative when it comes to, the Bible says everyone is willing to do what? To justify themselves. To justify themselves. And so when we think about uh, uh, um, making excuses, not only do we live in a a culture of excuse making, but we need to think of the fact that this is not something to be taken lightly. We need to think about the the, the catastrophic effects of excuse making. I want to have a word prayer, and I want to really drive this home here, because I want all of us to see the seriousness of what we're talking about this morning. it can very well keep us from victory all of our lives. Like from this day going forward, it can keep us from victory and from having the power of God in our lives. So let's pray. Lord, I pray that you'd help me now as I speak on this, uh, Lord, this uh, uh, topic that you've brought me to. Uh, Lord, from your, from your word, I pray that you'd help me to speak clearly in a way that would be helpful uh, to my brothers and sisters here and to anybody who's here uh, seeking truth. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Excuses we're going to see in the life of Moses, did for him the same as what it does to us many times. Excuses will weaken our resolve. Instead of us having the resolve by God to say, I'm going to go forward with strength and victory to do what he's called me to do, many times excuses just stops it right there. It weakens our resolve to move ahead uh, with the strength of God. And... uh, you know, Moses, really what he was being called to here was to take some ground. And he was being called to lead the people to go from the situation that they were in, this, this situation of bondage, this situation of perpetual defeat, to go from the situation that they were in to a place of victory and of taking great ground that God had for them. That's what Moses was being called to do, right? Right? And, uh, and, and so a lot was at stake. So let's look, let's look at it here in, in, um, in Exodus chapter 3. It says, Now Moses kept the flock of, uh, of Jethro, his father-in-law, uh, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock of, uh, to the backside of the desert and came to the mountain of God, even uh, to Horeb. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame uh, of the fire out of the midst of a bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush burned with fire, and the bush was not consumed. And Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush is not burnt. Now you'd turn aside probably too. I mean, if you were out there and there was a bush that was burning, and you thought, okay, well, you know, that's, that's kind of strange, but fires do happen. But then you took a second look, and this bush, it's on fire, and it keeps burning. It doesn't seem to be consumed at all. So Moses goes over there and says, I've got to get a closer look at this. This is kind of an anomaly. And when the Lord saw that he had turned aside, so he had Moses' attention, 
God will use some things to get your attention, by the way. God called to him out of the midst of the bush and, uh, and said, uh, uh, Moses, and he said, here am I. And so God got his attention. God's speaking to him personally here. Moses is ready to listen. Yeah, so it seems. And he said, draw not nigh unto hither. Put off the shoes from off thy feet, for the place whereof thou, thou standest is holy ground. Uh, Moses, you're in my presence now. This is a holy place. This is a sacred place. Uh, I'm going to give a specific word to you. I'm speaking to you personally. And think about the, the sacredness of that. Maybe God is, wants to speak to you personally here this morning. It says, moreover, I said, um, he said, I am the God of thy father, the God of uh, Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people which are in Egypt, and I have heard the cry by reason of their, their uh, taskmasters, for I know their sorrows, and have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians, and to bring them out of that land unto a good land, and a large unto a land flowing with milk and honey, a place of blessing unto the place of the, uh, the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, and the Hivites and the Jebusites. And so he's saying, look, you know, Moses, I want to use you to go from this land of bondage and captivity to a great place, a place of abundant blessing, a place of enjoying uh, some special things that I want to provide for you. Now think about that. Think about that. Because, you know, isn't that really a lot what God's doing in our lives as well? I mean, he's taking us from situations that are hindering us you know, situations that kind of keep us in, the, in the bondage and things that are holding us back. And he says, you know, i got some land for you to take that, uh, here. Like, like, you, like you heard in the preaching last week. I want to tear down some strongholds. I want to free up some land to, to get you in, in, in a place of my blessing again. And, uh, and, and so um, he, he, he wants to do that here with, with Moses. And so what do excuses do? Well, we're going to see with Moses here. Instead of saying, okay, Lord, man, that sounds wonderful. And not only does it sound wonderful, but I want to act on that. What do I have to do? I hear what you're saying. I want to go for it. Instead, he began to make excuses. And excuses will weaken your resolve. Hey, when God wants to do some special thing in your life, when he wants you to make some, some decisions, he wants you to take some responsibility, excuses will weaken your resolve. Excuses will stunt your growth. <laughs> they really will. Hey, look, you know, I mean, if it's been a long time since you can perceive that you have taken some steps of victory in your life and you have grown, you've made decisions that have made you more vibrant in your Christian life, that's not because God isn't working in your life. That's because you're not letting him work in your life. And it may just be because you're making excuses as to why not to, to, to obey him in some areas of your life. And uh, they'll diminish your influence. Look, Moses was supposed to have a great influence on a lot of people. But when we're personally making excuses for ourselves, that'll diminish our capacity to, to, to influence others. Maybe in our home. Maybe in our church. Maybe in our, our place of, of work. Wherever God wants to use us. And ultimately, uh, making excuses will damage God's work. What's our theme? Be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. Why? Just because so we can look strong? No. So we can bring glory to Him. This is my God. <laughs> He's the one who is doing these things in my life. 
He's the one that I point to to say, all glory goes to him. He's mighty. He is strong. I represent him. He's my God. And, uh, and I want to I uh, uh, let him uh, use me to make an impact in others' lives as well. And ultimately, God would, would use Moses mightily. But first, God would, would strip away his excuses. You know, many times, we're on board with the concept with the concept of God doing things, but we're not so much on board with the commitment that it's going to take for us personally to be a part of that. You understand what I'm saying? I mean, look, as a church, we'd all say, yeah, we believe in the gospel cause, right? We would all say, I believe, you know, God has a plan for my life. You know, I believe in the truth of God's word. I believe that we're to work together as a church and as a team to get some things done for God. We'd all say those things. And we all agree with those concepts. But what about the commitments that we had to make personally, like Moses had to be, make, to enter into that personally? You know, it's like a risk that we perceive that's involved in there. Now all of a sudden it's coming home, you know, to, 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 where, uh, to where it really meets me and, and how I have to be a part of that. And so um, if you look there, it says in verse 8, I am come down to deliver. And it says in verse 9, Now therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel is come unto me. I have also seen the oppression therewith. The Egyptians oppress them. And so God sees. God sees the trouble. You know, God sees the problems. God sees how the enemy wants to keep us in that place of, of oppression. And God is interested um, in that. And then it says in verse 10, Come now, therefore, and I will send thee unto Pharaoh that thou mayest bring forth my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. And Moses said unto God, Who am I that I should go unto Pharaoh, that I should bring forth the children of Israel and of Egypt? And, uh, you know, the, uh, the prospect of it, I think, sounded great to Moses initially. But the process, not so much. Not so much. Because all of a sudden, Moses is thinking, okay, God, I hear what you're saying, but, uh, um, uh, man, I don't think I'm up to this task. First excuse comes out of the bag, right? Some common excuses. Some common excuses. And here's one from Moses. You know, I'm a nobody. I'm a nobody. And, uh, you know, I mean, it's like with Moses, it's like, I mean, it's like he or, or you or me are, are the first People that have ever felt that way? Do you ever feel that way? You know, who am I to, to serve God? Who am I to think that I can do something great for God? Who am I to, to, uh, to, to maybe be a part of this ministry or to, um, to make an impact in this way? I, I just feel inadequate. Look, I mean, Moses certainly wasn't the first person to feel that way. You weren't the first person to feel that way. I feel that way at times. That has nothing to do with it, with it. How we feel about it has nothing to do with it if God has said, this is what I want to do. And this is what I want you to be a part of. And so, but a lot of times we use that excuse, you know. I mean, hey, I just think it would be better if someone else did that. And, you know, I mean, it's kind of like this false modesty sort of thing where eh, I just don't feel like I'm up to it. I, who am I to, to, to do that? And that was, that was the excuse of Moses this time. And uh, it's a common excuse. Look at verse, uh, um, so we continue there, it says, And uh, he said, verse 12, Certainly I will be with thee, 
And so we'll look at a little more about that in, in just a moment. Look at verse 13, though. It says, And Moses said to God, Behold, when I come unto the children of Israel, and shall say unto them, The God of our fathers has sent uh, uh, me unto you, and they shall say to me, What is his name? What shall I say unto them? And so his, his second excuse is, I don't have all the answers. I don't have all the answers. What if they ask me a question and I can't answer it? Lord, what if I'm trying to, you know, I'm trying to witness to somebody. I want to obey you and I want to, I think that's important. But what if they, they stump me with a question? They'll ask me a hard question. I won't know what to say. Well, you know, Moses, do you think you're the first person that's ever felt like that? Um, do you think you're the first person, whoever you are out there, that's felt that way? I mean, I think they're the same things. You know, like in Sunday school class, I mean, we try, I try to ask questions and answer questions. And I think, hey, wait, what, if they, what if they ask me a question? I don't know. Well, if they do, they do. God called me to do that. You know, quit being so insecure when you had God on your side. And, uh, and the excuse is, you know, there's no end. There's no end to the excuses we can make. And here's another one by Moses. I, I just don't have, I don't have all, all the answers. And so God works on, on him with that and, and, and answers that. We'll come back to that. But then he goes to his next excuse. Because for each one of these, when you, get to, when, when you see what God says, you would think at that point, okay, that's going to be the end of it. You know, you hear what God is so convincing, you're gonna be, you'll be like, wow. At that point, Moses would have just said, okay, God, you know, I hear you. I'm with you. Let's go. But no, here comes another excuse. You know why? Because he's, he's like you. He's like me. You know, um, and, uh, and so uh, in verse uh, 1 of chapter 4, so God answers him again. And in verse 1 of chapter 4, it says, And Moses answered and said, But behold, they will not believe me, nor hearken unto my voice. For they will say, The Lord hath not appeared unto thee. I'm a nobody. I don't have all the answers. But, but, but God... Yeah. I'll face opposition. I'll face opposition. Well, same question, but Moses. You think the, you're the first person who's wanted to stand for God that's faced opposition? <laughs> Whatever your name is out there this morning. You, know, you think you're the only person that's going to face opposition if you're obeying God? Myself. I mean, you know, I, I've experienced that. Hey, look, if you're going to move ahead for God, you're going to face some opposition. Pretty much a given. It's a promise. And, uh, and so, but we make those excuses. I don't want to, I don't want to enter into that because there's going to be some opposition. I'd rather just kind of, you know, just kind of float through, just pass through. Kind of come in, sit and do my thing and, and be a part, but not really be a part. And, uh, and so that was his excuse that God answers that. God answers that too. We'll come back to God's answers. But then uh, it, it, here's his last excuse. Um, in verse 10, it says, And Moses said to the Lord, Oh, my Lord, I am not eloquent. Now, by the way, if someone were to say, uh, I'm a very eloquent person, that's, they probably have a problem too, right? I mean, if I, if I were to stand in front of you and say, you know, this morning, I just want to you know, confess this morning that, that uh, as a preacher, you know, I just feel like I'm tremendously eloquent. And uh, I'm probably one of the best preachers that you've ever heard. You know, if I were to say that, I mean, you'd be like, Give me a break. This guy has issues, right? Um, look, nobody ever... You think Moses was the first person that felt like they weren't adequate to speak to others? 
You don't think you're, you're the first person to, to feel like you're not, you're not eloquent enough? You can't articulate it well enough? That You know, all these excuses, they're just, well, God, God's being pretty, he's being pretty patient here. And he is, it's, it's like he's, he's playing along. He's, he's, he's acting as if these are, le, are legitimate reasons. He's going along with it to a certain degree, and he's answering Moses uh, point for point. And, uh, and, then, and then we come to this. By the way, he says, so he says here, he says, uh, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not eloquent. And let's just read the rest of the verse there. Um, Neither uh, heretofore nor since thou hast spoken unto me thy servant, but I am slow of speech and of a slow tongue. And so he says, you know, I, I, I don't have the talent that it's going to take to do this. I don't have the talent. But then we come to verse 13. And so God answers him on that, on that one too. God answers him as if that's a reason. Oh, okay, I'll help you out with that one too, Moses. I'll help you out with that one. I've helped you with all the other reasons so far. I'll help you with that one. And then we come to verse 13. And he said, O my Lord, and I pray thee by the hand of him who thou, uh, thou wilt send. Now, it's, it's a little different wording there, but what, what it's really saying, you can study this out, it's very clear what he's saying is, Lord, okay, all right, let me just put it to you this way then. Could you find somebody else to send? <laughs> I don't really care who. Choose anybody else, but I don't want to go. All right, okay, so we're finally getting honest here, right? God had gone along with all the rest of the, the reasons, but now this fifth statement exposes all those reasons before as being simply what? Excuses. Because now it comes down to the real issue. The real issue was this. Moses just didn't want to do it. Okay? That was the real issue. Now look, hey, for each one of us, that's going to have to be the point where we get real with God. If we're ever going to get beyond the excuses that keep us in a place of defeat and not experiencing the power of God in our life, we're going to have to come to that point where we get honest with God and say, you know, honest with God, it's just that I don't want to do it. It's just that I'm stubborn and basically I'm being disobedient. And it's almost like when we get to that point, God says, okay, okay, now you're being real. Because you were giving me reasons before, but they were actually just excuses. And now we get to that point where you just don't want to do it. Now that we, we can say, okay, now that's a heart problem right there. That's a heart problem. And you get that heart problem taken care of, and that'll, that'll, that'll help you uh, not be an excuse maker uh, anymore. Um, you know, sometimes I drive, I drive the bus for the, for the, to bring the young people in. And uh, all day Wednesday, I'm pretty much communicating with, you know, teenagers. Hey, do you want to come to youth group tonight? You want me to pick you up? Uh, it's going to be great, you know. Let me come get you the bus. And, uh, you know, sometimes the kids write off, yeah, I want to go. Come pick me up. Other, other kids will write me back with, you know, this excuse and that excuse and that excuse. And then some will just say, no, I don't want to go today. You know, I'm thinking, hey, I kind of appreciated that. Just tell me, if you don't want to go, just tell me you don't want to go, you know. Don't tell me that you're having this, you know, this big problem that uh, you can't, because, because all of a sudden you become a super studious student and you just don't want to step away from your studies tonight. You know, okay, um, hit the books or go have fun at youth group, you know, which one are they going to choose, right? Hey, mo most of the kids, you know, they, they, have, they have the choice to go or they're not. Nobody's hindering them from doing that. So if they don't want to go, you know, don't make excuses. Just say, I don't want to go. 
And uh, that's what Moses had to come to uh, here. Um, and, uh, and so the cure for excuse me. And then we've got to get to the good stuff here, all right? And it's all been kind of negative. And the reason why it's kind of hit us is because you know you make excuses at times. We might not have hit your type of excuse, but you, you make excuses. I make excuses. When you don't want to do something, you have a way of justifying that. Why? Because that's the way your heart is. <laughs> and until you come to the point before God to say, really, the real issue is that I'm just unwilling, you know, then we're going we're gonna to be stunted in our growth. And so the cure for excuse making, this is great. There's going to be some wonderful truths to land on here uh, this morning. And uh, realize that all of your excuse making is really a repeated slight on God. In short, our excuse making is an insult to God. That's what it really is. I'll show you. I'll show you why. Let's go to, uh, um, uh, back to chapter 3. The excuse was this. Chapter 3, verse 11. Moses said unto God, Who am I that I should go unto Pharaoh that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt? Now that... It had nothing to do with who he was. This is the answer. And he said, the Lord said, certainly, look at this, I will be with thee. <laughs> and this shall be a token unto thee that I have sent thee when thou hast brought forth the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God upon this mountain. Look, Moses, it doesn't have anything to do with who you are. It's that I made you and I have called you to this and I will be with you. <laughs> you see what we do to God? We insult God. The God who said, look, you know, I'm calling you to be strong in the power of my might. We proceed saying, oh, no, I can't do it. I'm just not, you know, I'm, I'm not up to this task. I'm a nobody. You know, God, God doesn't make nobodies. God doesn't do that. Now, maybe someone else has made you feel like a nobody. Maybe that's happened, but God doesn't do that. God did not make you a nobody, and God does not try to make you feel as a nobody. God wants you to have a task to serve Him, and He wants you to get beyond any excuse that will keep you from realizing that it's really through Him that you, that, that you do it. And so then we come to the second excuse. God helped him with that one. Verse 13, And Moses said to God, Behold, when I come unto the children of Israel and say unto them, uh, The God of our Father has sent me uh, unto them, they shall say to me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? So, God, so he's saying, you know, what if I don't, I, I don't have all, all, all the answers? God said to Moses, I am that I am. And so he introduces himself in a fresh way, and he says, you know, Moses, I am Yahweh. I am the Lord. I am the one that by my very name I reveal myself to you that I am everything that you will need to do what you need to do. Now you might be like Moses. You might say, you don't know my situation. You don't know how hard I have it. You don't know the dynamics of which I'm trying to navigate right now. Look, are we going to stop making excuses or are we going to say, I want to be strong in the Lord and the power of His might? Because he is who he is, and nothing is daunting to him. <laughs> he says, I am that I am. That's what I say unto the children of Israel. I am has sent me unto you. And if that's not good enough, he says, and God said moreover unto Moses, thou shalt say unto the children of Israel, the Lord God of our fathers, the God of Abraham, 
The God of Isaac, the God of Jacob has sent me unto you. This is my name forever. This shall be a memorial unto all generations. Now look. Hey, I guess Pharaoh, he was a big shot, wasn't he? Right? He was a big shot. But was his name going to last forever? Maybe in infamy. <laughs> and so compared to Pharaoh, you had the Lord Jehovah, the Lord of hosts, whose name is forever, and that's the one that was with Moses. So Moses, don't worry about the fact that you don't have all the answers. Don't worry about the fact you, you don't have to play God here. I will be God for you. And that's why we're talking about be, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. And then we come down to the third excuse in uh, chapter 4, verse 1. And Moses answered and said, But behold, they will not believe me, nor hearken unto my voice, for they will say, The Lord hath not appeared unto thee. They'll say, Oh, who are you to say you, 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 you represent God? Who are you to say that you're any better than anybody else? Who do you say you're on God's side? So the Lord answered him here as well. And listen to this. This is interesting how God does this. And the Lord said unto him, What's in thy hand, Moses? A rod. Just something, I mean, this is part of my occupation. I'm a herdsman. I have this, this, this staff here. All right? So God sees him where he is. You know, what he, what he does is kind of the, what, just the place that, he, that he's in at that point. He said, Cast it on the ground. And he cast it on the ground, and became, it became a serpent. Now, I don't like snakes, personally. You know, I, I, so I have some friends, you know, they put, they put, like, pictures on social media and stuff. They're always playing with snakes and stuff. I don't know. To me, that just doesn't... This just it doesn't seem natural to me. Um, some people are really freaked out by spiders. I know, spiders, for the most part, I can, you know, you know and that's, they're done with. Snakes seem a little... <laughs> A little harder to get a handle on. When I was in Florida, that, by the way, Florida is beautiful, but it's the place of the reptiles. Like, you'll be walking, I took walks every day, and I'll just see, like, little things out of the corner of my eye. Like, what was that? Oh, it was like little lizards, like, darting everywhere. And then we're down by the water, and, and I wouldn't have even, even seen them. My wife saw them. She's like, look at that. And there's like a, you know, there's a little lizard. Here's a lizard, like, this big. You know, just, like, sitting, like, right there. Like, uh, if I hadn't seen that, I might have, like, stepped right on that thing, and who knows what it would try to do to me. I mean, this thing's like, you know. Just looking at you like, and so that was fine. But then I'm walking from the beach, and and nobody else nobody else observed this except me. So you know, I kind of got the impression that they didn't really totally believe me. But I'm walking along, and the last one walking this little path from the beach. All of a sudden, right in front of me, almost crawled across my feet, was a big black snake that's about four feet long, just right there. And I don't know why I said this, but I went black mamba. I just said, that was like the first thing that came to my mind. And they all turned around me like, and it wasn't there anymore. So here I am on the path, and I'm screaming black mamba, and there's nothing there, right? And I'm like, no, seriously, it was like a really bad, big snake. And I, I, I don't know, like, they said, oh, that's this kind of snake, and it's really innocent, you know, it just eats rodents or whatever. Well, how am I supposed, I didn't do extensive research on the snakes in, in Florida. I'm just minding my business, walking on the path, and this big old black snake crawls across there, Okay. And, uh, and so I can imagine here, for, for, for Moses, he says, throw that on the ground. It became a snake. And look at what Moses did. And Moses fled from it. Right? Black bomba! You know, he's like going the, the other direction uh, there. And the Lord said to Moses, put forth thy hand and take it by the tail. Now, you see what God's doing here? Are you supposed to pick up... I, I, again, I haven't really studied this out real well, but I'm thinking... If you pick up a, a snake by the tail, that doesn't seem like a good idea to me, right? 
I mean, there's the snake that can just kind of like, you know, I pick it up by the snail, it's going to like bite me right in the face, right? Or something like that. But God tells him to do this. And, and then he does something with the leprosy. He says, you know, put your hand in there and take it out and it's going to be le- leprosy. And, and so, you know what God is doing with him? He's saying, look, all the things that people are afraid of and that people might be concerned about, I can handle all that. And you don't have to be concerned about me proving myself. I will show everything that's needful along, along the line to demonstrate the reality of my presence in your life. Don't worry about that. God can protect his own reputation. Okay? We don't have to say, well, if I step out from God and then you know, for God and he doesn't come through, then he's going to look bad because, you know, don't worry about all that. Just obey God. He'll show himself. He'll manifest himself. And the things that seem scary to you, it's no big deal to God. You turn that thing to a snake, pick it up by the tail, you know, it goes back into a staff. Uh, the leprosy, which, you know, at that time, nobody had ever found a cure for. I mean, all these things, you know, God says, hey, look, you know, it'll be okay, Moses. It'll be okay. You're worried about you having to handle it. But I'm God. I'm there. I'll show. I'll, I'll manifest myself. And then we come to the last excuse. And then in verse 12, it says, Moses said to the Lord, Oh, my Lord, I am not eloquent. Neither heretofore nor since have I spoken unto thy servant, for I am slow of speech and I have a slow tongue. And the Lord answers him and said, Who hath made man's mouth? Hey, Moses, come on, man. Like, who made your mouth? You're worried about using something that I've made. Don't you think I'm going to help you use that? Who hath made man's mouth, or, or maketh the dumb, or deaf, or the seeing, or the blind? Have not I the Lord? Now therefore go, and I will be with thy mouth, and teach thee what thou shalt say. By the way, you know the Bible uh, says um, that Moses was learned in all the wisdom of the Egyptians and was mighty in words and deeds. So actually, Moses was a good speaker. He just was using that as another excuse to not be the one to take the lead. And, uh, and God shot that down too. He said, look, Moses, you know I me? Mean? I made your mouth. I'm going to be with you in that. You know, don't worry about it. Um, we have... Uh, we have a mission trip coming out to Mexico, and every time, so I, I, I was given the honor, you know, to, to, to be able to preach this time while I'm in Mexico. And every time I'm asked that, my first inclination is to say, because ah, there's going to be a pastor from Mexico there, Pastor Reyes, excellent speaker, great preacher in Spanish. I can't, I cannot preach like he does in Spanish. I know that. Pastor Alan Johnson, I mean, he preaches just as well in Spanish as in, as in English. It's different for me to preach in Spanish than in English. And so when I'm, when I'm invited to preach, you know, in Spanish, I think right off, I, I'm not eloquent enough to do that. You know, it'd just be better to let some other people do that. But then I look at it, hey, for some reason, you know, God gave me that opportunity. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to say, you know, God made this, this mouth. <laughs> God did give me Spanish to be able to use as, 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 uh, to reach others with the gospel. If I had that opportunity, I'm going to do that. And, and, and God, for whatever he does for it, to him be the glory. To him be the glory. Right? I mean, if we were perfectly eloquent all the time and had all the gifts to be able to do everything that God does, what glory would go, would go to God? Right? And so, and so the, all those excuses just keep the glory from going to God. That's what it does when we don't obey Him and, and, and quit making excuses. And uh, so when it came right down to the real thing, the real matter, as we saw in verse 4, 13, 
uh, uh, where, where, where Moses says, hey, look, you know, really when it comes down to it, I just want you to choose somebody else. This is where it says in verse 14, and the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses. Now look, God will go along with your reasons for a while and he'll help you through that. But when it comes down to just being clear that it's really because, you know, you're, 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 you're uh, stubborn before him, it does say here that God does not appreciate that. His anger was kindled against that. And he said, Is not Aaron the Levite thy brother? I know that he can speak well. And also, behold, he cometh forth thee. He's coming right now. Here comes Aaron. And when he seeth thee, he'll be glad in his heart. Thou shalt speak unto him and put words in his mouth. And I will be thy mouth and, uh, and with his mouth and will teach you what you shall do. And so, so basically what God said, okay, Moses, you know, I've heard all your things and everything. I've heard all your excuses. I'll even do this. Since you're not willing to trust me, I'll give you Aaron instead. Now look, was it a good idea for Moses to trust Aaron instead of God? <laughs> you remember when the Israelites said, God, we really want a king. You know, we want to be like all the other nations. Um, I, I mean, we know that you're kind of like sort of our king, but, you know, we want like a real king. Then that being a great idea. Now, God did give him the king, right? And he, and he even told him ahead of time what these kings were going to do. But no, we really want the king. And uh, yeah, so you know, that ended up being a pretty, a pretty lousy replacement for God. And Aaron is really no different. I mean, there was some blessings in the king and there was some blessings in Aaron. But you know what God really perceived was, okay, you know, you're, you're choosing a human remedy instead of turning primarily to me. And Aaron was not a blessing a lot of the times. Um, and you can, that's a different, maybe a different study for another time. Let me end with this, though. How many of you heard of these? I'm going to give you 10 names. Okay? I'm going to give you uh, 12 names. I'm going to give you 12 names. How many of you heard of these names? Shamua, the son of Zakur. Really? Okay. Japhat, the son of Horai. Okay, one person. All right. Making progress. Egal, the son of Joseph. Egal. How many of you heard of Egal? Called of God, by the way. No? Bible character? Egal. All right. Um, Palti, the son of Rafu. One of my favorites. Yeah. Palti, the son of Rafu. No? Wow. All right. Gadiel, Gadi, Amiel, Zethur, Nabai, the son of Voshfi. Heard of any of those? Guel, the son of Machai. Have you heard of them? How about Joshua, the son of Nun? You heard of him? Okay. Part of the same list. How about Caleb? Caleb, the son of Jephunneh. All right, just about You all heard of, of Joshua and Caleb. You know why? The other ten made excuses why they would not go take the land. Caleb and Joshua did not. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for the time we've been able to have in your